Hello, hello, hello. My name is Jay Tipton, and I'm the host of this brand new podcast, Work Green, Earn Green, brought to you by Working Nation. First off, welcome to the pilot episode. I am super stoked to have you here, and I promise we're going to have some fun. To get it kicked off, I suppose I should answer a few W questions. You know, like what, where, who, why, when. Let's start with what. What is this podcast all about? Right now, the United States workforce sits on the edge of an explosion in green jobs. In fact, some economists are predicting over 1 million new green jobs in the next five years. So what exactly is a green job? Well, that's what I'm on a journey to find out. I think it's safe to assume forest rangers and solar panel installers are working green jobs. But what about jobs that don't come directly to mind, like the HR department at a solar panel company? Are they working green jobs? I'm going to speak to experts around the country to figure out how we can define a green job. And that around the country part brings us to the where question. I'll be exploring one state at a time, talking to people who are in the green job game. So who am I going to be talking to? Well, earlier I mentioned the experts, but I'm also going to be chatting with people who are working green jobs, the people creating green jobs, and the people who want to help others get a green job. Next W question, why? Perhaps you're wondering, why me? Why is Jay Tipton the host? Well, right now I'm studying to earn my master's in environmental protection, but the path that has led me here hasn't been what you would call straightforward. When I look back, I had a pretty sweet childhood. My family lived on a lake, so we grew up swimming, fishing, and boating. My mom was a gardener, and my father is a true outdoorsman. He can tell you the species of literally every single apple tree on planet Earth, which is no easy feat. Naturally, I absorbed their interests and grew up with a deep appreciation for the environment. I studied psychology at Indiana University, and after graduation, I started my career in Hollywood, sitting behind a desk in suit and tie. Eventually, I got way too antsy for that, so I moved into the field. I joined Working Nation as a producer, and with them, I spent a few years running around the country filming all sorts of projects. I absolutely loved it. But I felt an itch for change, so I did a bit of a 180, and I moved to Spain. I taught English there for a couple years, which was awesome. And now here I am, sitting in Poland, getting my master's and hosting a podcast about green jobs. I've always been connected to the natural world, and like many other people around the globe, I'm concerned about climate change. Uh, <laughs> did you catch what I did there? I said climate changed with an ED in the past tense. And that is an important distinction because yes, the climate has already changed. I think about the environment literally every single day. It's what I live, it's what I breathe, and sometimes it's even what I dream about. The green economy and green jobs, they are giant pieces of the puzzle, and they're absolutely vital to moving forward in a cleaner, more equitable, and more just way. The silver lining is that green jobs provide a chance to improve the lives of tens of millions of Americans. So in my opinion, pursuing a green job is a no-brainer. Last W question, when? Uh, now. Look around. The world is changing. 
the world of work is changing. Green is here, and it is not going anywhere. So where are the green job opportunities? Which states? Which industries? And how can you, my awesome listeners, get in the mix? Let's find out. The relationship between the environment and the economy has been acknowledged by past administrations. Each of us all across this great land has a stake in maintaining and improving environmental quality. I reject the notion that sound ecology and a strong economy are mutually exclusive. We have always found a way to clean the environment and grow the economy at the same time. We must foster economic growth in ways that protect our environment. A low-carbon, clean energy economy can be an engine of growth for decades to come. A strong economy is vital to maintaining a healthy environment. And for political leaders now, both here and abroad, the sense of urgency is getting stronger. As we transition to a clean energy future, we must ensure that workers who have thrived in yesterday's and today's industries have as bright a tomorrow in the new industries, as well as in the places where they live, in the communities they have built. That was President Joe Biden in April of 2021 speaking at the Leaders' Summit on Climate, a virtual gathering of 40 world leaders to take on climate action, like job creation. Construction workers, engineers, insulators, upgrading our schools and commercial buildings and constructing new energy-efficient homes. Manufacturing. Manufacturing workers building nuclear and carbon capture technologies, solar panels and wind turbines, and people working in the fields that we haven't even conceived of yet. Those are all really important jobs, but it's that last part that really struck me. Jobs we haven't conceived of yet. Personally, I'm curious about what the future holds, and I want to land a job that will help protect and maybe even save the environment. But first, I need to understand what the possibilities are. And now that the infrastructure bill is signed into law, millions of new jobs across multiple sectors could open up in the years to come. The Bureau of Labor Statistics, or BLS, defines green jobs in two parts. One, jobs in businesses that produce goods or provide services that benefit the environment or conserve natural resources. Or two, jobs in which workers' duties involve making their establishments production processes more environmentally friendly, or use fewer natural resources. Somehow, despite that long and drawn-out description, the definition still feels unclear. And yet, even getting to that definition took some heavy lifting. So, quick history lesson. Back in 2010, the BLS published a proposed definition of green jobs in the Federal Register, and then requested feedback. The response? over 150 comments about the clarity and comprehensiveness of the definition from business leaders, nonprofit groups, unions, and other government agencies. Each of these entities had their own definitions, so it's no wonder the public is confused about green jobs. But even with the two-part BLS definition that exists now, my gut says there could be more to it than that. So I wanted to hear from experts who are researching and reporting on what the green job future means to workers in the United States, both today and post-COVID. A colleague of mine at Working Nation sat down with Anikat Shaw at the 2021 Milken Global Conference. 
He is the global head of environmental, social, and governance research at Jefferies, which is a financial services company. He says we're on the precipice of a major investment boom in energy and infrastructure around the globe. Let's not fool around. We're talking about a hundred trillion with the T, a hundred trillion dollars of capital investment over the next 30 years. We have to basically rebuild our entire capital stock. And that will require a lot of workers. So this is an enormous opportunity. He goes on to say that overhauling our energy and infrastructure systems to meet climate goals will call for highly skilled workers in engineering and tech. And of course, physical laborers in construction and manufacturing. But these large-scale changes are not without challenges to the workforce. Now, there will be dislocation. Like any transition, there will be people who lose out uh, in their jobs. And part of this whole project is to figure out how do we lessen the blow for them and how do we transition that workforce, people in the oil and gas industry, people in the coal industry and so on, into a new form of work. Hashtag it's complicated. Displacement is just one of several factors that make navigating the world of green jobs a little tricky. For one, it's hard to define exactly what a green job is and also just how broad the industry can be. Well, Jay, I'm going to riff on Kermit the Frog here, um, who, of course, said that it's not easy being green. It's not easy counting green either. That's Matt Siegelman, chairman of MC Burning Glass, a labor market analytics firm. One of the ways in which we've parsed out the world of green jobs is to be able to understand, first of all, what are those core green jobs where the primary responsibility is really anchored in the green economy? These are jobs like solar engineers or hydroelectric engineers or energy efficiency specialists. But there are levels to this. Matt and his team of researchers use a three-tiered structure to categorize certain jobs to better understand the overall green economy. Let me try to summarize it. First, it starts with those core green jobs he mentioned. Then there are green enabling jobs, which are basically the roles that are more conventional within a green tech or innovation company. For example, a marketing manager at a solar panel manufacturing company. And finally, there are green enabled jobs. These are mainstream jobs that increasingly require green skills, like say, an HVAC installer working with new energy efficient cooling systems. So are you confused yet? <laughs> well, wait, there's more. There's also, by the way, a set of potential green jobs. These are jobs that probably don't yet require green skills, but could benefit from green skills in the future. Maintenance techs, engineers, or jobs like that will become increasingly green over the years, but maybe not there yet. And while it's great that categories like these exist to help analysts do their work, I was really hoping there was a simpler explanation. What makes a job, quote, green, I believe, and most people would probably agree, is that the objective of that work is to achieve some kind of environmental improvement. And that can be a direct or indirect work. So if I work in an environmental consultancy in an office and I'm designing the world's most efficient water meter, uh, that's a green job. 
but so is the, the job of the secretary who is doing my calendar or the janitor who is cleaning the floor. But those are more indirect. That was writer and environmental consultant Paula DePerna. She knows a thing or two about policy in the climate crisis, having served as president of the Chicago Climate Exchange and VP of International Affairs at the Cousteau Society. Yes, as in the legendary Jacques Cousteau. Traveling the globe with his team helped fuel her passion and insight for environmental issues. So the green economy is really a misnomer. The green economy is the economy because the whole economy is subsidized by the environment. You can't make steel without water. You can't make electricity without you know, solar energy, or you can't make renewable energy without solar power. You can't make food without soil. You can't do anything in this world without the environment. So we probably need to be moving away from thinking as the green economy as a sidecar. It's really the train. While experts may label green jobs differently, core versus enabled or direct versus indirect, the point is the same. When we take this approach, the number of jobs that fall under the umbrella of green suddenly skyrockets. Everything needs to be redone, reinvented, redesigned, retrofit, uh, rebuilt, you name it. When you take it in that broad sense, then you realize that most of the jobs are not the standard ones that we imagine that are, you know, on the surface, obviously green. The most green would be somebody who plants a tree. How much more green can you get? But if you look at the forest, there's all kinds of shades of green in the forest, right? And that's the same with jobs, all kinds of shades of green. I like that, shades of green. I think that's a good avenue to go. But I wonder if using that broad perspective might create some disagreement of what actually constitutes a green job. Uh, And I'm sure that it does. And I'm wondering why you think that is. Why might somebody use the more broad approach such as yourself and then there would be others that keep it more direct and narrow? If you're looking to really transform the economy and really looking to actually meet climate change in a coherent manner, we need the broad definition so that we can speak to all the people who think still incorrectly that they have to choose between their job and the environment. And that is absolutely untrue. And that dichotomy, that uh, sort of war of words is the number one reason in my view that the environmental movement is stuck. You have a lot of people who are passionate about it and a lot of people who want to do something. They have no idea what to do and nobody's helping them figure it out. And there we have a problem. There is a growing number of people who are passionate about the environment, but they just don't see how to turn that passion into a career. Coming up, I'll talk to experts in the hiring field to see how incorporating green skills in any field can help bridge that divide. Don't go away. The way we work and the skills we need to do our jobs are changing fast. What do you need to know to keep up? And how do we as a society ensure everyone has an equal opportunity to succeed in today's workforce? I'm Ramona Schindelheim, Editor-in-Chief of Working Nation. Join me each week on the Work in Progress podcast as I go one-on-one with the innovators and decision makers who are helping us navigate our way through these challenges. Welcome back to Work Green, Earn Green. I'm your host, Jay Tipton. Before the break, we heard from environmental consultant Paula DePerna and the chairman of MC Burning Glass, Matt Siegelman. We got both of their takes on what the green economy is, and although the outlook on green jobs seems bright, The definition of a green job isn't carved in stone. So how does that affect finding one? 
I had the chance to speak with Karen Kimbrough, chief economist of LinkedIn. She shared her take on how certain skills can make just about any job a little bit greener. I do believe that no matter the job, no matter where it is, no matter what industry, no matter the seniority, it has the potential to be a green job because of how you approach it. Whatever you're doing, whatever technology you use to complement your work, the amount of um, byproducts you create from your job, all of that, you know, essentially is a question about how green do you want to be. That means more job seekers can better market themselves and capitalize on the upward trend of green job opportunities. What we find is that people with green skills are hired faster than people without green skills. So there is a certain amount of at least demand by employers for these green skills. I've used online job-seeking websites myself, and even though they're helpful, when I search for jobs in the field of environmental protection, I see a broad range of listings that require a variety of skills. Some descriptions seem spot on, while others are more vague. Navigating it can be pretty tricky for job seekers. So what are these green skills? The list is long. LinkedIn researchers identified 800 core green skills and more than 300 green-related skills across 12 categories, including pollution prevention, waste prevention, renewable energy, and sustainability. Many of these green skills listed by users on LinkedIn have seen double-digit and triple-digit growth over the last three years. It is not just a flash in the pan. People um, very much care about this. They engage organically in these topics, and companies are looking to hire for it because they know they need to step up. And someone who wanted to create a bridge between people's passions and the high-demand green skills is Trish Kinlan. She's the founder of Sustainable Career Pathways, a career coaching company that helps job seekers interested in finding environmental work. I may not be working on a specific project that reduces carbon footprint right now, um, but I'm making sure that we have as many people out there fighting that fight as we can. Her point in mentioning the carbon footprint drew an interesting distinction. And it made me wonder, does Trish consider her job to be green? Absolutely. I, you know, 100% of my, my waking hours <laughs> are spent on providing people with tools and resources that can help them find the place where they can make the biggest impact in the fight against climate change. I guess that would be what Matt Siegelman would label a green enabling job. Most of Trish's clients are seeking white collar jobs as more and more companies are becoming environmentally conscious. The sustainability space is pretty vast and it can be really hard as a job seeker to know what all the options are and where your skills might be most useful. I have structured exercises that are good at helping my clients identify what they bring to the table and get specific about what they want. But for entry-level job seekers, competition is fierce. There's kind of a work for talent going on at, at the mid-career experience level. So you are seeing a lot of people like moving around to different companies and, and getting some great promotions. But things are a bit more competitive for the entry-level roles. I'm experiencing this right now. Just last week, I was waitlisted for an internship I was sure I could land. My background fit the requirements perfectly. I thought I had all the experience necessary. But it just goes to show that breaking into the industry might not be that easy. 
there's just a lot of sustainability work that requires, it, it just requires some experience to be effective at. And so there just aren't as many early career roles available in general. And when you combine that with a really high demand for those roles from so many people who are trying to break into sustainability, it, it kind of gets tough. Working in sustainability is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it takes a lot of work just to get the job. And then for many of us, we're so passionate about the work that we do that we frequently take on a lot and we work really hard to move things forward. And while it feels great to be doing our part, um, sometimes the sheer size of the task we've been given, you know, saving the world, um, can, can feel overwhelming. I can totally relate to that. I'd say that about seven days out of the week, my emotions regarding my work and my studies on climate change flip-flop back and forth between outrage and optimism, peppered with a little bit of anxiety. Could that be from everything that I'm learning about our situation? Or maybe it's from reading and watching too much news. But despite the reasons for despair, both myself and everyone else in the fight choose to soldier on. It's the only way forward. Up next, we'll hear how the media's reporting of climate change impacts opportunities within the green economy. More after the break. If you're curious about green jobs, good news. Working Nation has even more content for you to dive into. Alicia Clark here, producer of Work Green, Earn Green, and I'm excited to announce that a new edition of our video series, I Want That Job, premieres on January 28th. These new episodes will feature careers that are in high demand and help save the environment, like software engineers, hydrologists, and some others that may surprise you. So don't miss out. Subscribe now to the Working Nation YouTube channel and follow the hashtag GreenJobsNow. We interrupt your program to bring you this important message. Maximum sustained winds have increased to near 125 miles per hour, making it a Category 3 hurricane on the Safer Simpson hurricane scale. The fire has grown another 5,000 acres in size. Dozens of structures are being threatened. Hundreds of evacuations have been ordered in several locations. What we see, read, and hear in the news about the climate can feel like absolute doom and gloom. But as awareness about the climate crisis grows, so do the opportunities to help fix it. So should the media focus more on green jobs as a solution? Would that help job seekers and the general public better understand the scope and impact of these opportunities? I wanted to hear from a journalist whose job it is to shed light on many issues related to the environment. Yesenia Funes is the climate director for Atmos Magazine. Hurricane Sandy was an eye-opener for Yesenia. She's a New Yorker whose mom was directly impacted by the storm. Yesenia says it was the tipping point that led her into a career as an environmental journalist. My mother lost power for about two weeks um, after Sandy, and I was away at school, but I remember the fear and the, the worry that I felt then. And so I dove headfirst. You know, I dedicated my, my college years to learning everything I could about environmental issues and the climate crisis. Picked up a second major alongside my journalism major so that I could build out those skills and I've had the great privilege of, you know, being able to pave out a beat in this area ever since. Yesenia has reported on green job initiatives. However, she believes there is still work to be done when it comes to major news outlets covering the employment angle of the climate crisis. All too often, the focus on the scale and impact of climate change 
overshadows how many industries and sectors can provide solutions and how those solutions can lead to thousands of new jobs. When the Green New Deal began to receive a lot of attention here in the U.S. and then eventually abroad, the media began to pay a little bit more attention to the economic potential that lies within the so-called green economy, you know, what, what our economy could look like if we shifted away from fossil fuels and instead invested in our natural resources, not just for the purpose of exploiting them, but in conserving them and restoring them. There's a big gap still left behind in publications that focus more on finances and money where it could be really valuable to highlight the value of green jobs. So she tries to report on climate issues with a different approach. So I think that very often these these issues are reported on in a quite heartbreaking and pitiful manner. Like, look at these poor communities and all that's happening. And, and I don't think that that really does justice to the beat. And so I try to approach this creatively and make readers feel empowered after reading my work. And covering climate justice has undoubtedly shaped her definition of green jobs. For me, a green job must not only move us toward a more you know carbon-free future, but also help move societies to where there is less poverty, less hunger, uh, you know, where people are thriving and able to build wealth and support future generations, right? It's not just about the now, but also improving what's to come in the future. And this sentiment strikes close to home. My partner, he works in construction and carpentry. And I always wonder, you know, if we actually learn to figure out how to solve, you know, this climate crisis thing, what will his work look like in the future? As for the shades of green we mentioned earlier, Yesenia thinks it's more black and white. I don't know if, if any job is more green than the other job. I feel like a job is either green or it's not. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that folks who work like out in nature might feel that their job is more green than someone who perhaps is like cooped up in an office space in New York City who devotes their time to advocating for environmental legislation or something. But but I don't think, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of like, you know, the competitive sort of spaces, but I think either a job is green or it's not green, you know? Do you consider your job to be a green job? I don't think I'd consider my job a green job. I don't know that my my work is actually... I don't know. I mean, maybe some might argue that my work is helping us get to a more carbon-free future. <laughs> I would hope so. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that I would consider it a green job, though it does kind of feel nice to think about it that way, a little bit more impactful. Whether or not we can all agree on what makes a job definitively green, the fact is opportunities are on the horizon. We just need to find them, fund them, and fill them to accomplish the goal of, well, mitigating the climate crisis. So you have to think of this green thing as a revolution, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's truly a revolution. It's a transformation. And the, the amazing thing, is that, as I said earlier, is that we still treat all of this as if we could do without it. There's no way to do without the environment, and we keep acting like there is. And, you know, until and unless we appreciate that there's no way to live without it, we will not be, one, protecting it sufficiently, and two, certainly not reaping the benefits that, that can generate all this employment. I couldn't agree more with that. And I am crossing every single finger and toe I have that Joe, the president, can help <laughs> Joe, the plumber, in that effort. You need a poster there. Joe, the uh, president, and Joe, the plumber, the two together, that's a revolution right there. So in the end, maybe we don't have the exact definition of green jobs pinned down, 
but we do know that they're out there and that more are on their way in big numbers. And that is exciting. Green jobs could be paving our way towards a stronger socioeconomic future and a healthier planet for all. Thanks for joining me on the pilot episode. Be sure to tune in next time as I begin touring the country to see how different states are integrating green jobs at the local level. Up first, Pennsylvania. We'll learn how Pittsburgh is going from steel city to green city, and we'll hear from two architects that are transforming neglected neighborhoods into thriving eco-friendly communities. Subscribe now for more episodes and hit me up with your questions and stories about green jobs. Also, I'll leave you with some food for thought because I'm curious. Now that you've heard some takes on what a green job is, what do you all think? Is my job green? Let me know. This is Work Green, Earn Green, and I'm Jay Tipton. Thanks for listening and catch you next time. This podcast is produced by Alicia Clark and executive produced by Melissa Panzer, Joan Lynch, and Art Bilger. It's written by Jay Tipton, Alicia Clark, and Mike Zunick. Edited and sound mixed by Linz Florin. Music is by Avocado Junkie. And this podcast is made possible by the Walton Family Foundation.